have a, how long? I mean, come on, Lord. What is the world's going on? And not only with this situation, but personally, if I was to talk to you or you take the time to talk to one another, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of struggles. And the live feed, they don't have any sounds. They're just seeing me up here just crying. <laughs> they have no sound. They don't know what's going on. Um, I had to make a joke to see if I could get back into this thing. So um, anyway, um, he said three things. You ready? Here are first, you're to preach the gospel just as you perceived it without any modifications or improvement. Isn't that beautiful? Um, there is one criteria for every good sermon. It doesn't matter if the language is perfect, the voice majestic, the illustration striking, and the gestures expressive. There's nothing wrong with these, um, and it really much good in them. The one test of any good sermon is whether or not it proclaims the good news. Two, your second function will be to administer the sacraments decently and in order, remembering two things, the wonderful grace of God that gives you this privilege. And the fact that God's grace will find its way and do its work in spite of you. Isn't that beautiful? And then the third thing, you're to be the means of ministering God's help to the people committed to your charge. You will suffer through dozens of plans, schemes, programs, conferences, which will provide substitutes for what men and women need. Endure them, but put not your trust in them. What people rightly expect from God's church is his word. And you are one of those that's specially trusted to provide for their need. Isn't that amazing? May the Lord continue to bless you. So I will say that when I got that letter, um, things were, man, it was good. I was being ordained. I was in love with this woman right here, soon to ask her to marry me. And I had no idea what was going on in the world. I knew what was going on in my world, and it was good. So I did a little research. May 1985, um, guess what? We were at the peak of the AIDS crisis. Children, do y'all even know what AIDS is? Gone, for most part. Still around, but we're at the peak of that. The Cold War between Russia and America seemed like things were going good. Next thing you know, Afghanistan falls. Um, the Unabomber. Remember the Unabomber? Mexico had an earthquake that killed 9,000 people in 1985. I was in love. I was clueless about these things. Tens, I, this is a quote I read. Tens of thousands of people perished in 1985. Floods, volcanoes, earthquakes, airplane crashes. We had a Delta crash in, outside of Dallas, 137 folks, I think it was. This does not even include the ter terrible outbreak of AIDS. This year will go on record as one of the worst for disasters ever, relief agency officials have said. 1985. What, is, what did Mr. Douglas tell me? He, I guarantee you he knew of these things. He didn't tell me to go 
vote for a certain person that could fix it. He didn't say, attend the latest rally. What position should I take on various social issues of the day? I don't know what counsel he would have given me in addressing the onslaught of social media. And I want to say this strongly. It is forming and shaping and discipling not only our children, but our adults. And I'm concerned that we, the church, the body of Christ, are losing ground in discipling you and myself. Um, I don't know what I'm concerned, what, what I should do about it other than to do what? Preach the gospel, administer the sacraments, and attend to your needs. Um, with this wondering, I, off, I offer these thoughts from our scripture and, um, in the midst of 2022. Um, with all that's happening, they're not solutions, my friends, um, but rather they're hope and promises as we walk this journey together. So what changed my my change, my direction was, um, I don't know if you know this, but in Easter, we have an option of reading Acts and Revelation and the gospel and not an Old Testament. So we've been doing that. Um, and I, well, actually, Mark, I think you did read the Old Testament. So I hadn't looked at the Old Testament reading and, oh, I did. And I read it early Monday morning before anybody else was here and if you've got a Bible, um, you can open to it, the 12th chapter. And I can just give you a quick history of this. So Samuel, the prophet, had already been told by God. Well, he had gone to the Lord, actually, and said, the people want a king. And guess what the Lord said to Samuel? Give him a king. So he said, but Lord, you know what? And then this is back in chapters 9, 10, 11. He said, but if, when you do... Tell them that it's okay. Tell them what's going to happen. And you wouldn't believe what he says. I mean, he says, basically, the king is just going to abuse you, take you into slavery. He's going to take your children and your wives. Um, and they said, we want a king anyway. All right? So here we pick up with verse 19, and they realized that that was not a good idea. And verse 19 of chapter 12 says, And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins with this evil. We ask ourselves a king, a king that replaced the Lord, a king like all the other nations they asked for. And what did they say? They acknowledged this was not a good idea. And listen to what Samuel says, and this is what I want to kind of focus in on. Um, Samuel's response, in my opinion, is the gospel. It didn't say that here. None of my commentaries said it. It's just what I heard on that early Monday morning a few days ago. Samuel says this. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. So what is that? Samuel said, truth. Yep, you have. He offered truth. He didn't say, oh, that's okay. Had, had Saul been a better king, it wouldn't have been such a bad idea. No, he said true. The gospel is true. But the gospel that's true without grace is not the gospel. So he goes on and he says this. 
So he said, the sins of evil to ask ourselves for a king. And Samuel said, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. So he's calling them back to what? Coming back to the Lord. And he said, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Thank you, Mark, for that. Um, that moment of being quiet and just giving the Lord. Um, I'm weary. Anybody weary here? Not in everything, you know, uh, but in some things I'm weary. Um, give that to the Lord. And then he says, and here's the grace. And do not turn aside from after empty things that, excuse me, this is still true, that cannot profit or deliver for they are empty. So once again, let me tell you something true. Um, yes, you've done evil, and there's other things you can turn to that are really empty. And guess what? They're empty. Now, you can go and you can do these things and think that they're going to fill you, and I don't want to get political and say what those things are, but you can seek after those things. But let me tell you, if it's not the gospel of Christ, they're empty. All right? And so then he goes on and says this, For the Lord will not forsake his people. What's that? That's grace. And he goes on and says, For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you, who've done this evil, a people for himself. That's you and me. That's this world, a people for himself. There's truth and there's grace. All right? So that, that was kind of where I was on, on Monday initially. And then it really started getting up in my space. So here's the next part of that. For the Lord will not forsake the people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. In verse 23, anybody following along with me here in the Bible? Listen, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right thing. So um, I've got to make a confession here. I mean, I'm I've been following the Lord for a long time, reading lots of scriptures. I'd never read that verse in my mind. It, it was like, and I went to share it with Mark, and as soon as I began to read it, he went, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> share it with Gabe, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Share it with an older priest who comes over with my Tuesday mind and Bible study. He goes, he, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and so what did Samuel say? Far be it from me to sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And after I'd already been thinking, wow, this is going to be a great word on grace and truth, all of a sudden I realized my own sin, how I get so weary of situations that I just do what? I just quit praying for it. I'm done. Um, I get so weary with relationships that I'm in that just, just, I just get so weary with them that I just say, I'm done with you. And that's a sin. Because the Lord God calls us to engage him. And if we engage him, we're going to engage his people, no matter how weary we might get. And that's really my word that convicted me today. And I don't have too much more to say other than this. Um, I believe that truth and grace, God's promises, prayer and instruction, because let me read that verse again. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you and 
I will instruct you in the good and the right way. And I believe all of us, not just your church leaders, but I believe employers and over employees, teachers over students, parents and children, friends and friends, those of you who interact together, we're called to pray and instruct one another in truth and in grace. It's, a, it's really as simple as that. Well, it's hard. It's not complicated, but it's, it's really hard. Um, and so how do we live this out? Um, and I've borne this witness before. I'm going to bear it again. I only know one way, and that's to just immerse myself in the rhythm of the life of the body of Christ. I'm in three small groups during the week. I probably need five for me to keep me focused in on what God wants me to do. Some people, one's enough. I need at least three um, to keep me in the discipline and the love and remind me I need to pray for one another and, and how we just and, you know deal with all this around us. So I just believe that. And so I want to go a little bit further. I believe our corporate gathering in worship, and those of you who are in a small group with me know I say this oftentimes to you, I believe this is vital to a life in Christ, vital to help us face what we face year in and year out, week in and week out, day in and day out. I don't really know any other way that breathes life um, other than the body of Christ. And when I look at my own life and the darkest moments, it's when I find myself isolating and pulling myself away rather than bonding with you and diving in when it's really hard. Some of the hardest times this past three or four years wasn't the pandemic. It was election year. That was a hard time because I love you. And, um, and you would say, well, so what do you believe? And I would say that I love you. <laughs> you know, it's hard to bond, isn't it, with people that disagree with us. Look around. Y'all don't agree <laughs> on those issues. But what about Christ? So I participate in these things. They're my, using Susan's language, they're my riverbanks that keep me flowing in the direction God wants me in the destination, which is to grow and mature as a disciple of Christ. And when, the, when, the, when it's deep and hard and there's not a lot of rain, if you will, not a lot going on, it keeps me in the current. Um, when it's overflowing, it allows the spirit to overflow. So I just want to mention one more thing. There's a beautiful promise um, in Revelation. That's a confusing book. You know, we just kind of read these one little things. And, and even that little section you read, um, you read, Pat, um, was kind of confusing. So I'm just going to pull out one thing that's not confusing for me. And this is in verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. So what does that mean, anybody? What do you think that means? Wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Come to Jesus. Blessed are those who are willing to confess and say, Lord, I need you. Blessed are those who wash their robes. And it goes on and said, so that they may have the right to the tree of life. Isn't that beautiful? Um, and that they may enter the city by its gates. Does anybody remember from last week what the tree of life is? Where the tree of life is? Anybody know where the tree of life was? Where? It, well, 
It was in the garden. Let me back up earlier in chapter 22. Um, the, then the angel showed me, this is verse 1, the river of the water of life, that's the river, not the tree, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, which now we have those who wash their robes or can enter into the city, and on either side of the river, the tree of life. And this is beautiful. With its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. So what does that metaphorically say? Anybody, what does that say? It's available to us when? Always, all the time, this tree of life. And that fruit and then the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So that's my word of hope for you this day. Um, how long, O oh Lord? I don't know. Um, but the gospel has hope. And the sacraments that we gather are means of grace for us to gather as the body. Um, and we're to instruct one another in truth and in love. And one more thing, um, time. Give each other time. Be patient. Um, in our Bible study on Tuesday morning, um, we read this amazing verse from Romans, and it calls God's divine forbearance. Man, I want divine forbearance as truth and grace get a hold of you and get a hold of me, for he had it. And in seven John 17, Jesus said, and I will continue to pray because this is a journey. Well, that, that's enough for now. All right. Amen.